0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations, and our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Good morning, everybody. We are so glad you're here with us today. Welcome to our Savior's Church. If I have not had the opportunity to meet you yet, um, my name is Pastor Jacob LeBlanc. You just met my wife, Grace. We get the honor of being the lead pastors here at the New Iberia campus. And man, it is so exciting to be back, to be getting together again in person. Man, I'm just so happy to be with you guys today. And uh, I just wanna say this, we'll kick off the message this way. Um, I love to be able to start off the message by giving some encouragement and and, uh, it doesn't matter. I'll say this. It doesn't matter if this is your first time, doesn't matter what your race is, what your political background is, what your denominational background is, welcome home. Welcome home. We believe that God has called you here for a reason. We believe that you're here today and and the God that you may be searching for, you may not know this, but he sees you, he loves you, he knows exactly where you are, he knows the problems that you're facing and guess what, he's got better for you. The reason I know that is because we believe God's word and God's word says that for, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you plans to give you a hope and plans to give you a future. The God that we serve knows where you are and still has better for you. This is the God we serve. This is the God that I love. This is the God that I have laid down my life for to work for his kingdom. And I'm so excited to be here with you today. I want to make a real quick statement. Um, Last week, I'll say it this way. Before we jump into the message, I'd like to say something really quick. And I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I get it right. This past week, I've heard from quite a few people who've had some concerns about an aspect of my message last week. They've tried to reach out to me this week. and, And because of time, I wasn't able to schedule meetings. And with every single person, I'm so sorry about that. So here's what I'm going to do. If you have any concerns about what was said last week, I'm going to be hosting an informal get together where I will share my heart again. And again, if you have any concerns tomorrow night at 6 PM, I'm going to take some time in our family room to reshare my heart. I'm going to be incredibly clear. I'm going to be incredibly concise. And I want you to know exactly where I stand when it comes to standing up for people who have been oppressed and who have been marginalized. I have no problems resharing this and bringing complete clarity to the, to the topic. So I'm sorry if I didn't have time to meet with those of you that reached out to me. Thank you so much for sharing your concerns, but I want, you to, I want to make sure that you understand exactly where I stand and I wanna make sure that I hear you as well. So tomorrow, if you'd like to, to, to come here, what my heart is for this community and where I stand, I'd love to meet with you. So we're gonna be doing that tomorrow at six o'clock. Um, for those of you that have no idea what, what I'm talking about, fine. <laughs> I'm good with it. <laughs> then you don't, there's nothing you need to know about. But, but I just want to make sure that I'm hearing all the concerns that, 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 that people have. So that's all I'm going to say on topic from here. I feel like I've said what my heart is and I'm going to leave it there. So I want to talk today about honoring a group of people who are heroes. And yes, we know the heroes that that, that protect our freedoms, our military, our law enforcement, and even the people that are um, health care providers that are protecting us. But the people that protect our rights, the people that protect our, 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 our freedoms, our, our ability to be able to speak, protect the Constitution, those are superheroes to us, and we honor that. But today I want to honor a group of people who maybe are what we would call the unsung heroes, and those are fathers, Today, I wanna say a very special happy Father's Day to all of our fathers out there. And today, we're gonna honor you. And today, the message is is, is a message that everybody can take, everybody can understand, everybody can internalize. But but today, I wanna honor the men men who have stepped up to say, you know what? This may be difficult, but I'm gonna stand up and be a dad. I know what it's like. I've got kids. I know what it means to be able to stand up in those situations, but I wanna share with you, any male can make a child, but it takes a real man to be a father. You may be a male by birth, but you become a man by choice. As a father, you either sacrifice for your children, or you sacrifice your children. But the reality is that for many here, the, the father role And your life was not played by a biological father, but it was played by a pastor, by a friend, an uncle, a granddad, a brother, or maybe the dad of a close friend who took on that role in your life. Regardless, we want to celebrate those men who said yes. See, what's sad is that too often we hear of men who've abandoned their role, who've abdicated their role as father in their children's lives, but Think about how much pain could, could have been avoided if a real man were to, stay up, were to stand up and say yes. And I want to honor those of you that have said yes to saying I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick around, I'm going to be there. But it makes a real difference. And I want to read you some statistics. There was a survey done using a, a representative population of about 2,200 men of children ages zero to five years old, and this is what they said, and some of these things are pretty surprising. This is what they said. 90% of dads really enjoy being a dad and consider it the most exciting thing in their lives. 90%. 85% of fathers consider being a dad the best job in the world. 73% didn't even think their life began until they had their first child. 62% of dads are hungry for more information on how they can be a better dad. Not only that, but dads are changing the stereotypes, but they're also changing their family tree. Check this out. 52% of dads said that they are more affectionate with their kids than their dads were with them. 47% of fathers said they are more involved in their kids' playtime than their dad was with them. And 46% of fathers said that they are reading to their kids more than their parents did to them. But I want to speak to the last statistic that I believe we'll we'll be able to speak to today. 40% of fathers said that they believe that they are not being empowered enough in their own home. Empowerment doesn't come from what people say about you. Empowerment comes from the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. That's what we're going to speak to today. I'll, I'll be honest with you, even me. I, I have had insecurities about being a dad. Am I doing enough? Am I, am I a good dad? Am, y'all, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't matter who you are. The enemy can speak to exactly where you are in your season. What we have to do is be aware that the Holy Spirit that speaks inside of us should be louder than the enemy that also speaks. So today we want to empower those men who've accepted that responsibility of saying, I will, I will step up and I will be a father. It's like having a car. There are some that are bigger or smaller, faster or slower, and some that require more work than others to run. But thank God for fathers. So how do we become the ultimate dad? How do we, how do we become this father? Well, in order for us to define In order for us to know how to become a father, we have to define what it is. And in order to define what it is, you have to know what it isn't. So what it isn't, we bring back the Roman gladiators. Okay. How many of y'all watch UFC or you've even heard of UFC fighting? Anybody in the house? So UFC goes back a long way. Y'all UFC was not invented by Dana White. All right. UFC goes back thousands of years where these gladiators would fight each other to the death and manhood was defined in a certain way. Fighters would prove themselves, prove their manhood and masculinity by, by, by who and what they had conquered or killed. Imagine your value coming from what you destroy instead of what you build. Imagine your value coming from who you kill. Instead of who or what you live for. At the time, Rome could be described in four headlines. Over-sexed, over-taxed, over-entertained, and over-violent. Sound familiar? (laughs) That's literally our culture right now. But here's what I want you to understand. God designed man to be a giver and protector, not taker or destroyer. Man's first commandment from God was found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it, not conquer and destroy it. See, man was created to tend and keep love and respect, to put those we love before ourselves. So, how do we do it? How do we become an ultimate dad? Let's read the words from a man in the Bible that the Bible even described as a man after God's own heart. These are the dying words of King David to his son Solomon. He says this in 1 Kings chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Now the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth, be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments, his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. See, as David prepared to leave this life, he knew that it was his responsibility to set up his kids for success. It was his responsibility to say, all right, David, Solomon, this is what I'm, as, as King David, I'm... I'm gonna set you up for some success. I believe David gave us five things that we need to understand as dads, but also to teach the next generation. And that's what we're gonna talk about, five things that we need to understand about being the ultimate dad and to teach our children. You go back to the passage of scripture, it says, I go the way of all the earth. Number one is this, I believe we need to focus on the eternal, not the temporary, we need to focus on the eternal, not the temporary. There's three lies that we believe whenever we're young, right? Number one, we're gonna live forever. I'm gonna live, for, I can, I'll never die. We're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do anything I want, and I'll, we're invincible. The second thing we believe is that we are all that in a bag of chips. All right, it's a dad joke, y'all. This is Father's Day. I get to say a dad joke. Deal with it. But we believe that we're bulletproof. The third thing we believe is that we believe that making choices only affects us. See, we are only on this earth for a short time. And as a parent, a lot of times, I believe we fall under the mistake of trying to set up our kids for success in this life when the fact of the matter is we should be setting up our kids for their eternal life. Sure, we would love for our kids to be successful in this life, but I believe it's naive to think that what we do in the next 60, 70, 80, 90 years, that's what we should be living for. No, 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 no. We should be living for what we do for the rest of eternity what we do here determines how we spend eternity determines what happens next the bible says what what good is it what profit a man that he gain the whole world but lose his soul as a dad it's not my job to set my kids up for a successful life it's my job to set my kids up for an eternal afterlife The ultimate dad is one who trains up a child in the ways of the word of God. Isaiah 54, 13 says this, all your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. I don't know about you. um, I'm a dad. And there are a lot of times where my world is not very peaceful. No, it's just me. I'm the only one that deals with that. I'm the only one who has kids who have problems. Just me, fine. All right, I'll, maybe I should just preach to a mirror right here because that's all i am preach to you right now. But a lot of times, a lot of times, parents will ask, hey, my kid's going through this, my kid's going through that. We're dealing with all this turmoil in our lives. In so many times, we like to look at the circumstances that we're dealing with when God says, enter into my presence and that's where my peace will be. When we look at our circumstances, sure, we are definitely going to see all the problems that we're dealing with because our perspective goes down. But what God is saying, hey, turn your perspective up, seek my presence, and my peace will follow. When we spend time in the presence of God, that turmoil turns to peace just like that. It's our responsibility to pursue the presence of God, to teach our kids how to encounter God's presence. The second step to being an ultimate dad is by showing your kids that you practice what you preach. The Bible continues in the passage where it says, be strong and prove yourself a man. The second thing we see is to prove yourself by obedience to God. It's the only strong people can say yes to God and no to my flesh when I'm tempted, no to my friends when I'm weak, and no to my failures when I'm discouraged. Real manhood is putting God and your loved ones before pleasing yourself. We can't preach God and then please ourselves. Our kids don't do what we say, they do what we do. Luke six forty six says this. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do things at which I say? It's easy to talk the talk, but walking the walk's way harder. It's easy to, to come to, to come on Sunday morning and say, "Well, glory, hallelujah, Jesus, Amen, preacher." Then go home and cuss out all your coworkers on Monday. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> Pastor, you work at a church, so <laughs> guilty. I'm not perfect. I'm, look, y'all, I don't rise up out of bed every morning with just the presence of the Lord with angels just preaching, just glory, hallelujah, singing worship songs. Love is holding on, it won't let go. Feeling breaking out, just like an echo. That don't happen, Isaac. Maybe it happens to you, but that don't happen to me. I wake up and I look over at my wife, and I say, "Glory, <laughs> Hallelujah! Jesus, that devil is a lie." <laughs> but then my kids wake up, <laughs> and I want to drop-kick both of them. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> but I don't wake up every day thinking glory. Hallelujah. Jesus is all over me. No, I got to (laughs) work. I got to put work into my relationship with God. I got to put work into being obedient to putting effort into the spiritual disciplines that are in my life. Y'all, there's a lot of mornings I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to sing. I don't want to pray. I don't want to get into my word. But I do it because I want to show my kids that I practice what I preach. And my kids were in first service. They were both here sitting separately. But, and they were both like, yep, he does that. Because I pray with my kids every night. Do I want to? When both of them are complaining about, I don't want to go to bed. Why can't I stay up? I want to watch a high school musical. No, it's time to go to bed. Let's pray. We are praying right now. It's not always spiritual. I'm just <laughs> But I know I've got to establish those spiritual disciplines with them. So they're not just doing what I do. Are doing what I say, they're doing what I do. I wanna model that for them. I want them to see that their dad shows up on Sunday morning, he might preach a word, but goes home and also lives the life that he preaches. We can show up on Sunday and say, oh, glory to God, and go to work on Monday and not live the same life. By not following God's word, I'm telling my kids it's okay to be a hypocrite. And it's not. It's not. I want to set the example for my kids. I want them to know that I'm intentional about putting my preferences aside to obey the commands of God. So we must be obedient to God to build consistency in our character. Why? The third part of that verse says this. Keep charge of the Lord your God Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways. The reason we have to to be consistent is because consistency builds endurance. It takes courage to consistently walk the path path of God's ways. It's easy to not have spiritual disciplines. It's easy to not work out. It's easy to to eat real bad. What takes courage is saying, regardless of how I'm feeling, I'm building consistency. Consistency in my spiritual disciplines. Why is that so important? Because Romans 5.3 says this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Already I don't like this verse. Already. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. No. I don't want to rejoice when I'm running into problems and trials. I want to live the blessed life, hashtag blessed Hashtag blessing highly favored, hallelujah. I, I want to live that life. I don't want to rejoice in my trials. But we can rejoice too when we run into problems. Why? Because it helps us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character. Y'all, Christians have a character problem. If anybody should stand up for what they believe in. It should be Christians, but we are worried so much about what people think about us. We care too much about what people who don't matter. Think about us instead of saying, you know what, if I take care of my character, my reputation is going to take care of itself. I take care of my character. How do you do that? By building up endurance. How do you do that? By rejoicing in trials. it, Jesus. I don't want to rejoice in my trials, but it builds endurance, which builds your strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Oh, there's a lot of division right now. But what we need is the Holy Spirit filling our hearts with love. That's what we need. Love for each other, love for our fellow man. This is what God wants from us. The more I walk with God and line up with his word, the more of a man I am. I was made a man by his word. I'm not a man because of what anybody tells me. I, I love affirmation, y'all. I'm a words of affirmation person. When somebody who is an authority over me or somebody, anybody, tells me that I'm doing a good job, y'all, I love that. I love being affirmed. But I'm not, be, I'm not made a man by what people say about me. I'm made a man because I follow God's word. That's the definition of manhood. Can I stand up for what God says? Absolutely. That's how I know I'm a man not because of how much I provide for my family, not because of how much, uh, I, I, how much money I give, how much, uh, how much time I spend, how many. No, no, I'm defined by who God says I am. And when I know what God says I am, I can walk in his confidence. God's word is a foundation that we have to build our life around but we also have to see where we've come from so that we know where we're going. The fourth part of this is that the the word says we have to keep his statues, judgments, and his testimonies. The fourth thing we see is we have to remember our testimony because it reminds us of God's faithfulness. Your past doesn't dictate your future. And maybe this is for somebody in here. Um, I don't know... Most of you don't remember me in the past. Some of you do remember me in the past. If you've, if you watched me grow up, you know what I used to be. I've not always, I didn't come out of the womb preaching. I didn't, I wasn't always a worship leader. I wasn't always, I guess what y'all would call holy (laughs) or what the Bible calls holy. Um, I was, I wasn't always great wasn't always perfect. What I'm grateful for is that my past doesn't define me. God does. Is that I'm not defined by who I was. I'm defined by who God's called me to be. And you might have walked in today thinking, man, my past, pastor, I look, I look, all this Jesus stuff, this is good, but I don't think you know my past. Can I tell you something? I don't care what your past is because Jesus doesn't. I don't care what your past was. I don't care what you used to do. I don't care what you used to say, the things you used to be. If Jesus forgives you, why should I hold that against you? What I'm grateful for is that I'm not defined by who I was, I'm defined by who Jesus says I am. So you could call me whatever you want. That don't define, that don't define me. (laughs) I'm defined by who God says I am. And God says I'm more than a conqueror. God says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it doesn't matter what you say. I can do anything. (laughs) Yeah. We believe that you are who God is molding you into being. You are not defined by who you were. You are defined by who God is making you to be. I want to share with you some confessions that will help you focus forward and not backwards. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to, all going to say these together, okay? I'm going to say it first, and you're going to repeat after me. Pastor, I don't want to say anything. Say it. Confession time, okay? We're going to say these together. I'm going to say it. You say it after me, okay? Here we go. Do this. Say, say this. I don't have to relive my mistakes. I will learn from them. I will build around them, not on them. I will fail forward. Take a picture of that. And say it every day. Because we have to stop believing in who we were and start believing who God says we are. And I wake up every single day and y'all, I don't want to say those things. Because... I wake up sometimes and say, my goodness, I can't believe what I said yesterday. I can't believe what I did yesterday. I can't believe the things that went through my mind yesterday, but I don't have to relive my mistakes. I will learn from them. I won't build on them. I'll build around them, but not on them. And I will fail forward. I'm going to be who God says I am, not who my past says I am. When I'm faced with a situation where it's hard to see what God's going to do, I look back at His faithfulness in my life and believe in that. Revelation 12:11 is my favorite passage of Scripture. If you ever ask me what's your favorite scripture verse, it's this. Revelation 12:11. It's the first part of the verse. says They overcame the evil one by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony, my favorite scripture, because we get, we get faced with battles all the time in our day-to-day lives. And I get, I get the question all the time. Hey, how do I overcome my sin? I keep sinning. I keep sinning. I keep sinning. Okay. Two things the blood of the lamb, recognize that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine, that you don't have to relive your past, that you can be built on the fact that Jesus already did it. You don't have to do any work. Can somebody say amen? We get so caught up in saying, but if I do enough, if I go to church enough, if if I serve enough, if I give enough, then God will accept me. Wrong, because God already has. He loved you so much, he sent his only son to die for you so you wouldn't have to. The blood of the lamb. But there's a second part to that that we sometimes forget. The word of our testimony. Let me just say it this way. People can try to refute God's word all day long. Well, pastor, the, uh, theological description in the context of the shut up, ain't nobody got time for that. God's word is the irrefutable word of God. I believe that you can say whatever you want. I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna debate that, but there are people who like to try. The gospel is enough. It's enough. But can I tell you something that helps? Is your testimony. All of us have a testimony. We've all been redeemed of something. We've all been, we've all been brought back from somewhere. We were headed down a path, now we're headed towards Jesus. What people cannot refute is your story and your experience. They can refute the gospel all day long. Well, well, well. Um, timing here for the A.D. the thirty-three and B.C. That, yeah, but let me tell you what Jesus did for my life. Let me tell you what the gospel meant means to me, and let me tell you what Jesus did through me. See, I used to be a drug addict. I used to be a porn addict. I used to be a serial adulterer. But Jesus got a hold of me, and now I'm headed towards His kingdom. Now I'm redeemed. Now now that person who was is no longer, and it wasn't because of anything I did, but because of what Jesus did in me. The gospel is enough. The gospel is enough. But what people cannot refute is your story and how the gospel applies to your life. There's power in your testimony. You want to know how to overcome the things of this world? How to overcome the evil one? How to overcome the enemy? Remember the blood of the lamb and tell somebody about your testimony. See what God does. One of my favorite scriptures, we share our testimony because the enemy and people can't argue your story. The last thing we see is David saying to his son, that we can learn, we can teach our children is this. The last part of the scripture says, so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. The last thing we want to see, the fifth, the fifth thing that we can learn, teach to our kids is, what God blessed in me, he will bless in you. See, the blessing of God on your life will not come because of who I am, but it will come because of your obedience to God. When we raise our children to know, to know God and to make Him known, those blessings won't be from us, they'll be from God. We may lack in earthly resources, but God will provide from His heavenly perspective. And so many times, we try to take on that role. Well, I want to provide for my kids. Praise God, that's incredible. They need resources, they need need our help sometimes. Our kids need our help. And we wanna be there for them, we wanna love them through it, we wanna help them in any way we can. But it would be doing a disservice to them spiritually by not pointing them to the ones who can save them. We might be able to save their bodies, but Jesus came to save their soul. Pastor Jacob says it all the time. Pastor Cletty may have saved my life, but the church saved my soul. Pastor Cletty Keith was a spiritual father to Pastor Jacob and took him in. And y'all know, uh, if y'all haven't heard Pastor Jacob's testimony, it's powerful. But I'd say the same thing. There's a lot of people in my life that saved my life but the church, Jesus, saved my soul. And maybe today you've, you've walked in and, and maybe you've never experienced that true love of a father, for an earthly father, spiritual father. And maybe, maybe you did have a dad, but he was a poor representation of what a father should be. Maybe he wasn't there for you. Maybe he took advantage of innocence. Maybe he didn't protect. Maybe he could be anything. Maybe you were misused. God wants to come in and fill that gap that what an earthly father could not provide, your heavenly father is waiting to provide. What I wanna do today is I wanna invite you into the family of God this family that we have this is just this is our spiritual family brothers and sisters but we all have one father maybe you heard this message and you're like Pastor Jacob I want to be in God's family I I, I want that awesome I want to ask you the most important question of your life then would you like to be born again Pastor Jacob, what does that even mean? Well, born again, what does that? Well, the Bible says in John chapter three, verse three, that unless a person is born again, they can't even see the kingdom of heaven. And it's my job as a pastor to, to I, I want as many people coming to heaven with me as possible. That's what I want. All right, pastor, that's what I want. I want to be born again. What does that mean? What do I have to do? Well, being born again is as easy as ABC. A, we admit that we've made some mistakes. Admit that maybe we didn't always live according to God's word. And then we just ask for forgiveness. The Bible says, God's ready to forgive us. He'd he'd love to forgive you. We just have to ask for it. B, we believe. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That he died on a cross, rose again on the third day to take the penalty of our sin to put us in a right relationship with God the Father. And then see we confess. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. And y'all, let me just tell you this, that's probably the hardest one. I can admit, I can ask for forgiveness, I can believe, but to confess that Jesus is the Lord of my life, what I'm saying is, I'm no longer in control, God is that by living out a lifestyle according to God's word is more important than me living a lifestyle of my own selfishness. That's tough, means giving up control. So today I wanna ask you that question and maybe for somebody in here, your heart's beating out of your chest because you know that's exactly what I need to do. That is exactly what I need to do. Here's what I wanna ask. We don't wanna embarrass anybody. We're not gonna call anybody out. We're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna ask you to stand up and and get in front of a bunch of people you don't know. We're not gonna ask you to do that. But in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to lift up your hand. And all you're doing is saying, Pastor Jacob, can you just pray for me? That's all I want, just please pray for me. Before we do that though, again, I don't wanna embarrass anybody, so I'm gonna ask for everybody to please bow your head, close your eyes, just so that nobody feels embarrassed. And if right now, you feel my heart's beating out of my chest. I'm supposed to respond to this. This is supposed. I'm supposed to give my life. I'm supposed to be born again. I want to be born into the kingdom of God. I want to see the kingdom of heaven. If that's you right now, on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. One, two, three. Thank you. Hands going up. Thank you. Thank you. Keep them up for just a second. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five. Thank you. Thank you. Six, thank you. You can put your hands down. Do me a favor. Everybody in this room, whether you raised your hand, whether you didn't raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And the reason we're doing that is because we believe here at our Savior's church that family prays for family. And we're going to all pray this prayer together. Do me a favor, repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on that cross, You took my sin, you took my shame, you took my guilt, and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me so that I wouldn't have to go. You rose again on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. This moment I confess, this moment I believe that I am born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Can we give them a round of applause? Thanks again for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at oursaviorschurch.com.